Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching, listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. How many of you guys know someone um, who's just flat out difficult to love? I mean, like we all, we all do, right? And that's what we're addressing in this teaching series that we're talking about. Those people, right? Those difficult to love people in our lives. We spent last time breaking down how to love people who try to control, manipulate us. You got to know your purpose. You got to recognize that they're trying to control you. And then you got to draw a line in the sand to get these guys just off your back. And we also took a look in the mirror and we learned that, hey, we need to fully surrender ourselves over to Christ. If you find that you're a manipulator, you can change, but it starts with saying yes to Jesus and completely giving yourself over to Him. Today we're calling out those critical people. Uh, all of us have critical folks in our lives, right? They're the Debbie Downers have the spiritual gift of fault finding, the negative Nancys in our, in our world. Uh, they criticize everything and everybody. And if you've already caught yourself criticizing multiple things today, chances are maybe, maybe we're talking about you, right? So how do you deal with people who are overly critical in your life? Well, maybe you'll work with someone who's overly critical. You never hear about what you're doing until you've done something wrong and they threaten your job each time over it. Or maybe, you know, as an adult, you still have parents who just criticize every single thing you do. It's hard not to think of everybody loves Raymond, right? You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard. Uh, the way you raise your kids, how you spend your money, that kind of thing. It, it, it could be your spouse. I hope not, because that would really prove to be challenging for sure. Uh, you, ever, you ever heard anyone criticize our church before? Ah, oh, yeah. They don't like the music. They like the teaching because it's, you know, or I'm sorry, they don't like the teaching because it uses too much scripture or too little scripture or the pastor doesn't talk about hell enough or, you know, whatever. They use the wrong version of the Bible. Maybe it's too shallow or too deep. They don't have this ministry or Sunday night church anymore. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. That's kind of part of the deal. Criticism comes from all kinds of people. Sometimes the worst criticisms come from Christians. Yeah, you, you, you guessed that part right. The truth is, though, no matter who you are, you're going to experience critical people. And that's especially true if you're in any kind of leadership role. If you're making a difference somewhere, it is going to happen. So in fact, uh, there's a quote which is attributed to Aristotle, although we don't really know if he said it or not, but it's kind of latched on to him. And it goes like this, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And you know what? We, we can criticize that, right? Like, is to do nothing, to say nothing, and be nothing, we could say, you're lazy. In other words, if you're alive and breathing, uh, yeah, you're going to deal with criticism. And as followers of Jesus, you're guaranteed to face criticism. You're, you're different from the world. Your values are different from the world's value system. You're inviting criticism, even persecution, when you live that way. So if you haven't learned how to deal with criticism, 
man, this teaching is for you. And it's not only for you because of your spiritual relationship with God, but for some of you, criticism is just wrecking your relationship with your parents, your spouse, your friends, your supervisors. So how do we love those who are overly critical in our lives? I, I want to I give you some thoughts today just about how to respond to people who are critical in your life, who have been that critical spirit, that negative Nancy for you. And I think there's going to be something really powerful and free particularly for some of you today who are struggling with this, with these thoughts here. How do we respond to critical people? So first, you don't have to respond. <laughs> That's right. Just, just, just don't respond. Just because someone's critical of you doesn't mean you're obligated to respond back. That's, that's how social media wars and toxicity really ramp up. You, you, you got to read every post, every angry face. It's not a heart, right? You know, we're alike. Don't respond. This was Jesus' first uh, line of, of, of defense, by the way. Look at, look, look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2.23. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. What insults did Jesus get thrown his way? Well, he, he was called a friend of sinners. They said he ate too much. He drank too much. He was crazy. He was a heretic. He used the power of Satan to perform supernatural miracles. And on and on and on those insults went all throughout his ministry and especially during the trials that he endured. And don't you think, man, that if Jesus was criticized, the perfect son of God, right? That you're going to get your fair share of criticisms too. And when Jesus had all these insults thrown his way, you know, Peter says he didn't retaliate. He didn't fight back. He didn't give these guys really the time of day. He simply entrusted his life and his purpose with God the Father. How do you respond to critical people? Sometimes you just don't do it. You just don't respond. And for some of you, this could be really freeing today because these people have access to you. But just because they have access to you does not mean they're entitled to demand responses and reactions from you. Look at uh, Proverbs 19.11. Check this out. I like the Living Bible and how it, it puts this verse. A wise man restrains his anger and overlooks insults. This is to his credit. What does it mean to overlook insults or offenses, we might say, to use another term? What does it mean to do that? Well, overlooking isn't the same as pretending it didn't happen. The Hebrew understanding of our English word overlook is to pass over something, to kind of get over it. And so overlooking something is really a form of forgiveness, but it's not forgiving something in like the past tense that was already done to you. Rather, get, watch this, it's choosing to forgive in real time as everything's playing out right in front of you. So I, I know what's being said or done is not you know, fair, it's not right, and I could get angry, and I know I have a right to fight back. I could retaliate and become defensive, but that would make me bitter in the end. So instead, I'm choosing in the moment to go above and beyond, to overlook this offense, and let it go in real time as it's happening. I'm not waiting three or four months to get upset and then get bitter later on. Like I'm choosing now because I've been given a higher purpose from God. Sometimes you have to let the Holy Spirit lift you up and rise above. 
and you choose to forgive and to move on immediately because you know God's got something better for you right on the other side. You're not going to let something, you're not going to get lower uh, right from, from an offense and let, let that take you off your higher calling. Sometimes you have to choose not to respond and let God's Spirit carry you past that hurt, past that criticism, and overlook it. Sometimes, again, you just choose not to respond. But what about those times you do respond? And when that time comes, make sure that you respond carefully, okay? I, I didn't say react naturally or instinctively. I said respond because responding is not the same as reacting. It's not even close. Reacting is emotional. It's reaching for the low-hanging fruit, doing what first pops in your mind, what feels natural. But responding for a Christ follower, man, that's spirit-led. There's a great example in the Old Testament in the book of Judges that illustrates this difference. So Gideon was one of the, the more famous judges to lead parts of Israel at a time period that's really best described as Israel's wild, wild west era. Gideon has just led the tribes of Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, and his own tribe, Manasseh, to a wild victory over the Midianites. And the odds were not in his favor. He had 300 men as opposed to thousands. But you never count God out, okay? Never do it. Gideon's forces attack, and they cause the Midianites to scatter and defeat. Judges chapter 8 picks up with Gideon and his men. They're chasing after two Midianite kings that escaped. Look at what happens in verse 1. The people of Ephraim, okay, that, those are people that Gideon did not govern as a judge. He also did not invite that tribe to join him in this military campaign. So they asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. What do they do? They, they criticized Gideon, right? And so what does Gideon do? Well, he doesn't fight back. He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't say, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, guys. That's not fair. He gives a response, but it's a well-thought-out response. I would argue it's a spirit-led response. Verse number two, Gideon replied, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest so much better than the entire crop of my little chain in, 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 in Abizar? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? And when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, what did they do? Their anger subsided. When giving a careful spirit-led response like that, You'll sometimes, you know, get a critical person to have understanding that they didn't actually have before. And at some point, you're going to have someone criticize you, you know, they're going to say things like, well, why in the world would you go back to school? You're giving up everything for ministry. Man, that is so stupid. Why did you serve in church so much? You're telling me you'd rather go part-time. You'd rather be a stay-at-home mom when you have so much potential. How do you respond to people like that? Well, you do it carefully. <laughs> You don't react. You offer context and you explain what's going on. And sometimes that's enough, as it was in Gideon's case. They hear the answer. It actually makes sense. And their anger subsides. So when your friend just unloads some harsh criticism, when your parents just ride you and ride you and ride you, when your coworker is picking your whole life apart, what do you do? You wait before you respond. Because when your emotions run high, look at this, wisdom runs low. When your emotions run high, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. You're instead being driven by the moment. Wait before you hit send, okay? You know when you're faced with criticism, you know, often that criticism being thrown your way isn't even about you. 
Like much of the time it's born out of that individual's own hurt and brokenness. Over the years, I've learned that most angry people aren't actually truly angry. They're really just hurt. There's a wound that hasn't healed. And some people, man, they'll go their whole lives with this open wound. And it takes the form of a critical spirit, which just lashes out at everybody and everything, you know. Think about it for a minute. Man, have you ever met a happy, productive, joyful person who just trolls people on social, right? Who just says some of the most vile and voracious things to other people? Like, no. The people who do that normally are hurting. Usually there's anger behind hurt. So what do you do when you're armed with that knowledge that many angry, critical people are actually hurting and broken people? Well, you kind of go contrarian. You don't fight back, you love back. You show compassion. You love through the wounds instead of taking what they're throwing your way personally. And if you can show love and compassion, you just may lead that hurting person down a path to complete healing in their lives. When we're faced with criticism, you know, we can choose not to respond. We can choose to respond carefully instead of reacting emotionally, very important. Or this third thought, which I think is going to challenge you. Occasionally, when you're faced with criticism, you need to listen and change. Listen and change. Typically, there's a kernel of truth in every criticism. Some criticism, though, contains a lot more than a kernel, okay? Uh, we know it. The person criticizing us knows it because they have our best interests in this case, and they cannot hold back. They've got to bring it to our attention. Sometimes, you know, the guys being hard on you in your life are just absolutely right. If everyone tells you a similar truth, if they bring similar criticisms your way, uh, it, it's not them, okay? It's, it really is you. If your spouse is telling you that you're, you're too hard on the kids, if your parents say you're too tough on the kids, you're probably too hard, right? If your friends, your professor, your coworkers say, hey, you're dating the devil, <laughs> all right? Then you know what? You should probably cast that demon out and move on, right? Uh, if everyone's telling you similar things, you should probably listen and make a change. I love what Proverbs 15 says. Check this out. Proverbs 15, verse 31. If you listen to constructive criticism, that's the key phrase, you'll be at home among the wise. Constructive criticism. You know, criticism tears you down, but constructive criticism actually builds you up. You can learn a lot from your critics, but you can really grow from those who love and care for you and offer constructive criticism. Years ago, when I was a younger pastor, I was a new campus pastor at a multi-site church. We, we did live preaching in all of our campuses, so I was speaking every week. And after about a year, other campus pastors kind of got together with me, and they're like, hey, like, we know you like the Braves, man. And of course, like, I'm a huge ATL fan, so I'm like, yeah, of course I love the Braves, yeah. But yeah, okay, cool, but when you preach, you got to drop a tomahawk chop because <laughs> every time I preached, I'd do my hands in, in this motion. You know, like Jesus said, God loves you. <laughs> That's kind of how I was doing it. And I, I had to stop because it was too much. You know, there's just so many areas in our lives where, where we can grow and be better from with constructive criticism. If you haven't changed at least a few things in your life within the last year, you're probably not teachable. You're not someone who's open to and receiving constructive criticism, not from everybody, but from those who care about you. And when you're not teachable, you miss out on opportunities to grow into the person that God has really called you to be. Here's the last thought I want to leave you with today on criticism, okay? 
What do we do when people criticize us? Well, we can choose not to respond. We can choose to respond carefully instead of reacting emotionally. We can choose to listen and change if it's constructive criticism. But finally, here's this last one. You got to work to guard your heart. Now, why guard your heart? Well, because you need to make the decision and you will not be the one with a critical spirit. You know who has a critical spirit? The enemy, Satan, the devil, the accuser. That's one of his names. What does an accuser do? They criticize. And that's what he does. He criticizes, he shames, he guilt trips, he threatens. He uses everything at his disposal not to build you up, but to tear you down and then to rebuild you to resemble himself. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, that some people, man, they make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. I don't want to be one of those people, one of those critical people with words that tear someone down. I want my words to be, you know, not detracting and life-taking, but life-giving. I want my heart and my words and spirit to build people up, to encourage them to chase after God, to be used by God to bring hope and healing to their lives. But what if we find ourselves today being that critical person? You, you may not have even known you were critical until now, because a lot of times critical people have no clue how deeply negative and critical they are. They justify their actions because in a very you know, ignorant way, to be honest, they believe they're building people up instead of tearing them down. And it often comes in just really small and subtle statements, things like, you know, did you see what she wore today? Mm, why would she wear that? My supervisor, he's such a moron, man. Like, he made this decision this week. That coach should be fired. I have never played this game or coached in my life, but I'd call better plays than he has on my worst day. If I had all the money, man, if I was rich, I know how I'd handle things, and I know what I wouldn't do. Man, they're just so full of it. Their lives are a show for other people. I mean, like, hey, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you how I see it, you know, that kind of junk. And on, 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 on it goes. A critical heart is always born out of a spirit of pride and ignorance or hurt. It's pride, ignorance, or hurt. So what do we do if God's Spirit's knocking on our heart's door today, saying, hey, this is what I've been trying to tell you. This is you. You're critical. you got to make a change. What do we do? How do we overcome living with a critical spirit? Well, this is really important because we tend to become critical as a result of allowing other criticisms that people have to derail our lives. We get wrapped up in what they think and what they think hurts us or puffs us up with pride to unhealthy levels, by the way. And it causes us at times to completely overlook the changes we need to make in our own lives. And so what happens is we develop a critical spirit. The answer to becoming a critical spirit is simple. It's obvious, but it's not, it's not really easy to do. And if it were easy to live this way, well, I mean, everybody would be doing it. So here it is. You have to become deeply grounded in who you are in Jesus Christ. We, we talked about knowing your purpose last time and having clarity with what your purpose is. You, you need that same clarity here too. This is my purpose. This is my why. I'm confident in who I am, supposed to be in Christ. My criticism does not derail me. I can overlook what others are saying because God has a higher purpose for me. I'm not tearing somebody else down to make myself feel better. I'm not driven by your praise because I know that if I live by the presence of your praise, I'm definitely going to die by its absence, right? And so what do you do to get to a, a place in your life then where you're very clearly motivated not by the praises of others or derailed by their criticisms? 
Well, one of my mentors told me uh, an important truth many years ago, and I've always tried to remember this. I think it's pretty good. He said, Andrew, you're never as good as people say you are, <laughs> right? But you're never as bad as they say you are either. What a great perspective. Don't let the praises of other people get to you and don't let their criticisms infect you. Just do what God's called you to do. You're going to face criticism all throughout your life. As a student, you're going to face criticism. As a parent, as an employee, you're going to face criticism. As a business owner or anybody in any kind of leadership position, period, you are definitely going to face criticism. And as a follower of Jesus, man, you're going to face a barrage of criticism. And when you do, remember, you don't have to respond. If you do respond, do it carefully. Allow God's Spirit to lead you and not let your emotions cause a reaction. Some of that criticism is legitimate. It's constructive. So listen and change. If you find yourself you know, the critical person, then get back to who you are in Christ and cling to the purpose that God has for your life. Don't let praise get to you. Don't let criticism infect you. One thing I want to caution you with and warn against before we wrap up, don't criticize other believers. My heart gets really heavy when I see this nonsense, and I see it a lot nowadays. Christians criticize each other for styles, for non-essential beliefs. You know, those are theological positions that have no bearing on eternity as opposed to like Jesus being the only way to God. That's an essential belief, we would say. Um, all kinds of stuff. I can't help but think how that must grieve God, right? We're not Baptists or Methodists or Pentecostals or Catholics. We're the body of Christ. And God sees us that way. We're carrying out the Great Commission to reach those far from God and bring Him into His kingdom. And the time is coming, I think, when none of these differences we've created are really going to matter. Because what we're going to care deeply about is just people chasing after Jesus and bringing people into His kingdom together. Let's not allow a critical spirit to infect our hearts and turn us against those who are in God's kingdom on our team and our side working together with us for His glory. If you want to look for the negative, though, I gotta tell you, you're going to find it. If you want to see people growing and being changed by God's power, hey, you're, you're, you're going to find that too. You really become what you put your focus on. If you put your focus on what's negative, you'll not just find it. Eventually, you'll become so deeply critical that you'll never be used in a big way by God because your first response will always be to tear people down. God didn't look at this world and say, man, this thing is terrible. He saw what he made and he called it good. And when sin entered the world, he didn't get critical. He sent his good, pure, and holy son, Jesus, to redeem what went wrong and to bring back what was dead to life. And that's what the people of God do. May we be used by God to bring life to those who are hurting and broken and in darkness. May we not be critical and tear down, but be used by God to build up and to bring life. I pray for you today. God, I love you. I thank you for those who are watching and listening. And Father, being critical is, is, is a touchy subject because perhaps we're on the receiving end of being critical and we just we're, we struggle with that. People are critical uh, that we care about and, and it hurts and it tears us down. We let criticism really kind of affect our hearts and our lives. And I just pray today, Lord, that uh, we, would, we, would, we would make some changes. We, maybe we choose not to respond to this criticism. Say, I'm not going to respond to that. That's, that's coming from a negative place from the wrong person. Maybe, Lord, we need to take some time to wait, to be spirit-led in our responses. We're, we're reacting. We're emotional. And that only feeds the criticism coming at us. 
So God operate that to us. We wouldn't react emotionally. Instead, we would allow the Spirit of God to give us wisdom and give us the right response, a carefully thought out response back. Uh, Lord, perhaps the criticism is justified. It's constructive. It's there to build us up because the person criticizing us loves and cares for us. And it, there's some growth that needs to take place in our lives. So God, may we be teachable and we be pliable and learn and grow from what others are bringing to our attention. But perhaps we are the critical person. We find ourselves being negative. We find ourselves tearing people down. First of all, God, that's us, man. Lord, we pray for forgiveness. Would you forgive us for not building up but tearing down? And God, from this day forward, may you give us grace. May you take any pride. Maybe pride has caused us to be critical. May you you give us humility instead. Perhaps it's ignorance. And Lord, I pray that's the case. Will you open our eyes? Holy Spirit, would you reveal things to us that we haven't seen before? Man, maybe, maybe Lord, uh, instead of ignorance and pride, man, perhaps we have in our lives, we just have just, just sin. There's some things that aren't right. So God, may we seek your grace and forgiveness and get our hearts back in the right place. Maybe we're hurting and broken and we need healing and restoration. Lord, put our heart back together. Heal us from this wound that we've maybe carried for years. It hasn't been resolved yet. But bring us to a place, Lord, where we are not negative or we are not critical. But God, we build people up. And we build people up, God, for your kingdom and for your glory. Help us to be light in a dark world, I pray. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.